0: Better way to this. Let me show you a better way.
1: Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view, of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tougher even if they don't. Today is August the 19th, 2013. This is episode 1189 of the Survival Podcast, and it's Monday, Monday, Monday. What is Monday? Monday's the day I take your feedback and questions. When you send an email to me with question for Jack, comment for Jack, subject for Jack, and uh, you send that message to Jack at the survival Podcast dot com. Again, Jack at the survival Podcast dot com, and I'll respond to as many of those as I can fit into a Monday episode. And uh, a lot of times, if I get a ton of email on one thing, that gets on. And if I get one email on one thing, maybe it's not as likely to get on. But sometimes. You know that random left field thing gets on. It's it's just a matter of how much I can fit in a in a show, based on you know a one day show being an hour, hour and a half, and then a total volume of email that comes in that week and what seems the most relevant to our community. And there's times like today. I'm gonna have my first segment today that I'm gonna have to take up something I don't want to, but I'm going to, uh, because when somebody you know. When somebody uses your name and, and directly attacks you, you have to respond to it. So I'll do that today as a lead off. I'll try to keep that as brief as possible for you and we'll move on to some other things. I'm going to cover, uh, second item today, the Arlington, uh, PD raid on the Eco Village. And what I think is really going on there. And, um, I think that what's being reported as to what happened is accurate. I think that the police department is absolutely wrong a thousand percent and I think that the reason it's being said it was done is absolutely incorrect and I'll get to that in a bit. I've got a lot of other great stuff including just some straight up questions from you guys that are kind of some easy ones to ask and change up the uh, the flow and the, and, the, and the pattern of the show. I like to try to keep these shows varied. Uh, sometimes it sounds like, you know, Monday, News Day, and I, I don't really want the shows on Monday to be all about the news but at some point, we got to talk about it. And based on the format we have, it's really kind of the best day. So there will be a lot of that as well. Before I get to your emails, though, let's go ahead and uh, take care of our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is BulkAmmo.com. Hey, if you want if you want to be able to get out there and be successful in your use with a firearm, whether it's in a time of crisis or whether you're just trying to put meat on the table, you have to have three things, a weapon, ammunition, and training as an operator. Today I'm talking about the ammo side of the equation. You can be a great hunter, or you can know you're trained in self-defense a 100 times over. In either situation, you can have a great firearm. Now let's say you have all that and you have no ammo. Do you know what you have? An overpriced club, an expensive barter item, something you can pawn for some money. But it's not a gun without ammo. And you can't train effectively without ammo. So you need to get over to BulkAmmo.com and stock up on ammo so that you have it for, you know, I don't know, shortages in ammo. Anybody see one of those recently? That's one of the reasons I love BulkAmmo.com. Great pricing, great selection, great availability. And even at the height of the ammo crisis, yeah, their prices were jacked up like everybody's were, but they had stuff. That's what made them you know, really valuable to have around. Check them out today, BulkAmmo.com. Next up today, ready-made resources. Hey, what more can we ask for from a company than for their name to say what they do and then have them do it? That's what Ready-Made Resources provides. All your resources, ready-made, ready-to-go. Point, click, and buy on their website. Lightning-fast shipping and service and great pricing to go along with it. And when I say all the resources, ready-made and ready-to-go, I mean everything. Solar, wind, food storage, stuff to make your own food ready for food storage, tactical, practical, garden of guns. Everything you can think of is available with great pricing, service, and shipping speed at readymaderesources.com. I also want to remind you guys about walking to freedom. Hey, you know what the last act of defiance in a republic is? Leaving an oppressive state for a less oppressive one. Does that mean that there's any state in the union today that's really standing up against the federal government and defending the natural rights of its citizens the way it should be? No, there's not one. There's not a single state out there that's really doing it right. It's really defending the rights of their citizens. But there's some that instead of doing it sort of, kind of, at least a little bit, they're actually, they've got it flipped around and they're assisting with the oppression of rights. And they're going beyond with the oppression of rights. Those states have made the naughty list. Some other states are a better place to live, so Walking to Freedom is about telling states like Illinois, New Jersey, and New York, we're tired of your oppression, we'll go anywhere but here. Last act of defiance in a republic, walk to freedom. It's easier to make new friends and rent a truck and find a new job than it is to live in oppression. If you're not going to walk, if you love where you are, please get over to Walking to Freedom. We need you as much as anybody that's ready to walk. Because we need people to help folks find a new home, the right place for them. Walking to freedom, in essence, is a matchmaking form. I'm tired of New York. This is what I do like about New York. This is what I absolutely hate about New York. I'm looking for a better place that will give me what I like and less of what I don't like. And that is the way that you find a good match in society. That's the way you can find a good match in a republic. And Walking to Freedom is growing every day, becoming more successful every day as more and more people say, you know what, I've had enough and I'm out of here. So we need your help, whether you're going to walk or whether you're going to help others walk. Please get over to walkingtofreedom.com. Those of you at the Free State uh, Project up in New Hampshire, when I started this, said, oh man, he's competing with us. I know of five people personally now, five people that have chosen New Hampshire in the Free State Project that have done so through interaction on the Walking to Freedom Forum. I told you guys. Rising Tide floats all boat. Last but not least, do consider joining the member support brigade. If you do that, you'll get exclusive content available only to members. You'll help support the show at a whopping 18.3 cents. Per episode, and you'll get discounts to a lot of other great stuff: military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, and prior service, uh, and first responders like paramedics and EMTs and firefighters. All you guys uh, qualify for a service discount. If you email me with military service discount in the subject line and tell me in one or two sentences who you are and what you're doing, or who you are and what you did if your prior service, I will uh, respond to you with a discount code that will save you a lot of money on the MSB and uh, apply to your reoccurring billing as well. Everybody else. Else, reminder: I am running a sale right now for everybody. It's not as good a discount as the military discount, guys. So make sure you email first for that. Uh, but everybody else, the uh, the discount code is MSB MSBAug for MSB August. So MSB A U G, all lowercase. That runs until midnight tonight. First year for forty bucks. Just a quick reminder on that. All right. With that wrapped up, let me get into uh, the main topic of today's show. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play for you a segment. Uh, From, you know, a guy that I think actually has a lot of great things to say. I don't listen to him much because, and it's not because of anything personal. I don't listen to anybody much. Um, I have really tried from the very beginning of this show to not involve myself in heavily with other people's communities, to not be somebody that listens to a lot of talk radio, to not be somebody that listens to a lot of other podcasters. And if I do, I try to listen to podcasters that talk about something that has nothing to do with politics, economics, and sustainability. Because with my memory retention, I'll end up parroting somebody because I agreed with them and forget to give them credit. I just don't want, I want my show original. Um, I was part of f- about three pretty big forums back when I started TSP on self-sufficiency and self-reliance. Two that I'll mention by name because I think they're great forums. And I think they're good resources You know, beyond even our forum, which I think is one of the best on the internet. Uh, thanks to our great moderators. Um, but Frugal Squirrels and then the, the, the Backwoods Home Forums. Uh, I was very involved in both of those. And I immediately, as soon as I started doing a show, I quit. And there was a reason. I didn't want to seem like I was being a forum pirate and taking other people's you know members and trying to like basically capture an existing market. I felt what I had to say was important and that there was enough interest out there that I could stand apart, stand on my own, and build my show based on that. And uh, so... As I've done this over the years, I've tried not so. I don't not listen to this guy because of some bad blood that does exist between us, because I really don't care. It's not that big a deal to me. This is, this I have to bring up, because this is calling me out by name for like 20 freaking minutes of his show, because I guess he doesn't have anything better to do. Um, so I have to respond. I don't want to. I'd like this to end. I don't want to feud. But I'm going to play part of a segment on me from Ben Stone at BadQuaker.com, and then I'm going to respond to it. And then I'm going to make an offer to Ben, and then we'll see where it goes from there. And uh, at that point, you know, the ball's in his court. But let's go ahead and hear what Ben had to say about me, and let's talk about how mischaracterized I was during much of it.
0: But before I get into the negative aspects of the podcast, I have something uh, a little lighter uh, some you know some uh, a little bit of humor to uh, to inject into this and maybe it won 't be humor for a lot of people, but for some of the old time listeners that have been with me since the beginning, and some of my old time friends on the internet that uh, you know that know me from uh, days gone by back when I was um, uh, in, in, you know in a <laughs> well let 's just go on from there, shall we okay, so we 've got this guy on the internet named Jack Spierko, who has his own podcast, and I got a notice from different people um, <laughs> telling me that Jack on his podcast had announced that he, uh, that he 's now an anarchist, he had called himself an anarchist on his podcast, and of course, I giggled when I heard that, and then several other people let me know and I, and I got a, a good little bit of a, a humor out of it. Then I decided to go over and actually listen to his podcast and um see what he had to say about it, which uh i you know in the same podcast where he calls himself an anarchist, he also spouts the old republican party line blather about America being a constitutional republic and how it's our duty to uphold the constitution um, yeah so yeah, the the thing um you know, also in that very same podcast where he declared himself an anarchist, he also sets up several straw men as he explains what an anarchist is and is not. And, uh, well, he doesn't really go into what it is not. He just makes accusations of what some anarchists are, but he's not like that. He's a different kind that he's making up in his own mind. And then he's talking about whether or not you're a slave, and and he and it's it's very convoluted, his whole description there. But... It, that shouldn't really strike anybody as odd uh, when you hear his sort of weird description of himself as an anarchist. Um, you know, I remember back in 2008 when he very first started calling himself a libertarian. And at the time, on his podcast, he was offering the, the solution to the drug problem in America as being that uh, a team of cops should park down the street from every drug house and just arrest everybody going into and out of uh, every drug house until they, you know, send the message that we're not going to tolerate this anymore. That was his libertarian view of the of the drug war in 2008.
1: All right, well, this is where I guess everybody thinks that I'll come on and just like fricking rip this guy a new one from one end to the other. But there's no reason to because what he's saying is a big pile of bullshit. And I, I, again, I guess it's because you don't have enough important stuff to cover. Uh, that You got to go back and drag my name into your crap. Uh, let me tell you guys the story of how this all started, because it's pretty simple. Uh, I was on my Facebook fan page uh, talking to my audience about a proposition to legalize marijuana. Yes, that's what this started about. And I suggested that this was something worth voting for, because it was the election year where we were choosing between Mitt, hand up the rear Romney, and Obama, socialist, uh, what have you. And there was no point. It, it didn't matter who became president. And uh, Ben decided to show up and start running his mouth on my page at me about how I was immoral for voting, immoral, because by voting, I was using force on another individual, You're turning the apparatus of force on another individual. And I, I tried to explain the reality of where we live in and where we'd like to be. And I, I in practice, am a minarchist because I think society can handle minarchism today. And, I, you know, and if, you know, on the way to, 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 to a minarchist society, if we Get there, and things are good. You want to keep going, we'll go. I used an analogy that he told me was terrible, and then again called me immoral. And then he again called me immoral. So after three times of being called immoral, I told him to F off. I did not use the F. I used the full word, and I told him to F off repeatedly, because I do not like being called immoral. And let me tell you why I don't like being called immoral. Do you know what's immoral, Ben? What is immoral is things like molesting children, or what was done to the family I'm going to discuss next where uh, a, a police SWAT team comes in and puts a gun in people's face because they don't like the way their yard looks. Those, these are immoral things. So when, when somebody calls me immoral for supporting a law that effectively removes other laws, and that person claims to be an anarchist, Yeah. Yeah, that that is bullshit. It's extremely insulting. Now, if you listen to the rest of this episode, he goes on to call me a greenbacker and a socialist and an eocon and all other kinds of crap. None of that really bugs me. You're entitled to your opinion, but when you call me a moral, that's like a personal slur. So that's where this whole genesis comes from. And that's it. And that's pretty much the only thing I've ever had to say about this guy, except for a few aside comments here and there, when his name has come up and been brought up to me about this crap. Okay? But let's just talk about how I'm mischaracterized here. So, mischaracterization about the drug thing. So, back in 2008, those of you that were actually listening back then, you would know that I was opposed to uh, drug prohibition even at the time that I made these comments. So, what were they about? It was a very simple comment. It was that the state is just disingenuous. The state doesn't want to stop the drug problem because if the state wanted to stop the drug problem... And, and at the level that we have it today, all they would have to do, they know where these drug houses are, they could camp out outside of them and just start locking people up, left and right, left and right, left and right. I believe in that episode, now, come on, this is over five years ago, but I believe in that episode, I even cited what happened in Philadelphia, where they did a crackdown like this, and druggies were suing the city of Philadelphia because they had to go into Camden, New Jersey to get their drugs, and they got robbed when they were doing it, so that it actually did It was effective. Now, does this mean I think that this is what they should do? No. What it means is when they come on and tell you we're doing everything we can and they know where known drug houses are and they don't do anything about it, they're full of crap. And it just goes on. He calls me a greenbacker because I wrote a book. The book is called The Real Truth About Money. Many people misunderstood the purpose of that book. Um... I don't give a shit how a nation makes its currency, as long as whatever they do, they say they do what they do, and it makes sense. And in that book, I examine, could a a nation build a currency that is 100% fiat, not debt-backed like we had, something that would be like the greenback that Lincoln did, and would it work? And the conclusion I come to is, if you do all of these things, there's no reason it won't work. It absolutely will work, and it would require a cap on a currency. By the way, Ben, I know you like Bitcoins. Guess what? While Bitcoins are private and a greenback currency would be public, um, guess what? They work the same way. It's exactly the same thing. Bitcoins are capped and then fractionalized backwards. My point was you could cap the money supply based on the value of the economy and you could make it work. The book also discusses how you can build a private barter currency based on ammunition. It does. You can read it if you want to. It's what it says. And why did I write that book? To explain monetary creation and to get people stimulated as to how they could create currencies. See, the problem is that most people expect a book to come out and say, this is what we should do. Now let's all go do that. That's not what the real truth about money is. I've had several chapters in mind for revisions to this book, one doing the exact same thing with a monetary policy backed by bimetallic or trimetallic standard in public control in the government, and one with the whole thing being done in a private monetary system as well, and how those two could coexist or how one could exist apart from the other. This is to stimulate the mind so that people can come up to their own solutions of how a currency should be run. See, here's the difference between myself and and someone like Ben. I actually propose solutions. You just point out everything that's wrong. That's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. wrong. Everybody should do what I say and everything would be good. That's not anarchism, dude. I mean, I don't know who explained anarchism to you. Yes, my opinion of anarchism has changed over the years because of people that call themselves anarchists and know more about anarchism than I do, and apparently you do as well. A question was proposed to me at the most recent Liberty Forum, where I was there, and I said hello to you, and you wouldn't even look at me, and you walked out of the room when I spoke, and, you know, basically, I guess you can't man up to the fact that you called me immoral, and all I would need is, dude, I'm sorry I called you immoral, and I'd be like, cool, man, don't worry about it, it's okay. But I guess you can't do that. You know, I said hello to you, you smirked and walked away. Come on, man up. Anyway, at that thing, guy said to me, he said, look, he said, look, he said, Your problem with anarchism is you can't see a way that it would work with the people that are in society today. That if we shut the system off and said, everybody, you know, make your own groups, make your own rules, handle your own shit, that it would work because you think it would be complete chaos and everybody would kill each other. I said, absolutely. That's exactly right. He says, do you like the idea of it? Yes. If it could work, would you do it? Yes. He says, then you're an anarchist in principle. And I thought about that, and I said, well, I'm not going to take the word of one man, so I started to examine anarchy, and I started to examine the dynamics of modern anarchist groups and the way that they work together, Something I I doubt that you're actually a part of a group like that, Ben. I just I mean maybe virtually online, but I mean real anarchist groups that actually meet up and do things together and have agreements and and, and try to live as best they can parallel to the system because they know they can't bring the system down right now, that they just have to carve it out in their own lives. And And I found out that that gentleman was absolutely correct. And so what I said, not that you would care, I guess, is that I am a minarchist in practice. In other words, what I work for in society is to minimize the control by the state. To wean off of it. But in principle, where i just sure I'd love to be is as, as anarchy. And and with a new understanding of what anarchy is, that goes back about a year now. Anybody that doesn't like it, it's free to not listen. They can go listen to you. You can tell them what's wrong without telling them how to get there. That's fine. Uh, there's just a couple other things that have to be said here to be completely forthright and, and honest about this situation since you felt the need to bring me into this, man, because I, I don't want this. But... You know, one of the questions I asked you, and I think this is what really bothers you more than the F off comment, Ben, was I said, aren't you on government assistance? In that exchange, I asked you that like 10 times, and I never got a yes or a no. And we both know why. The answer is yes. So I'm immoral for voting, but you're not immoral for taking a monthly check that's taken from other taxpayers by gunpoint? Really? That's, that's your stance? I'm sorry, man. And look, I don't begrudge you. I know that you have a a legitimate issue. And the current system, the way it exists, um, it's probably the best choice you could make. And I accept that and I understand that. But don't go telling me I'm immoral for voting to repeal a marijuana law when you're taking my tax dollars in your check. And I have to produce revenue so that you can have revenue. See, my show actually makes a profit. That's... Anarcho-capitalism, maybe that's what it is. Ben, look, man, you don't get to decide what anarchism There's a thousand competing theories for what is and what isn't. There are people that believe that anarchism is only real anarchism if it's leftist libertarianism, that it basically follows the principles of Marx but does it without a state. And there are people that believe anarchism is only anarchism if it follows the principles of right libertarianism and it's anarcho-capitalism without the existence of a state. And there's all different types of competing gradients and variables in between. And it's a fascinating subject. And it does change the way that you think. And it challenges you. But as for calling me a socialist and a greenbacker, dude, whatever. It doesn't upset me. Calling me immoral, you can F off until you apologize for doing that. One last thing. How did Ben Stone get started with BadQuaker.com? I believe he was a moderator at a forum called the Survival Podcast Forum. I believe he formed many great relationships and got a lot of great support uh, from a lot of people, including a guy named Jack. Uh, I believe that guy named Jack was always kind and decent to him and even helped him understand how he could practice more with a weapon because he had a physical impediment that made it difficult to practice with an actual weapon. And uh, then I believe that guy saw an opportunity and went out there and decided, I can do this my way, and I feel my way is better, and he did that. But I believe that it's, it's, it's quite possible, not guaranteed, but quite possible, that without the Survival Podcast, there may not even be a badquaker.com today. I'm not sure of that, but when you look at the history, it all seems to work that way. So how about this? How about you apologize for calling me immoral, you do your thing and I'll do mine, and if you need any help in the future, once you apologize for that, it's there. And if you don't need it and you feel you don't need it and you want to stand on your own uh, completely, as you have done since you started this thing, you've never asked me for help, I'll say that, then I respect and I appreciate that. But I'll be decent to you, you be decent to me. Um, but if you insult me again and if you if you call me out like this again, you know, dude, what does that say about you? All I've told you is the facts and the truth here. Anyway, guys, I didn't want to do that. But, man, some, and apparently this is not the first time. This is the first time somebody brought the actual recording to me. Uh, I'll post the link so you can listen to the whole thing if you want to. Um, and hopefully we're done. And hopefully Ben will get the gist of this. And But we'll see. Because, dude, I'd shake your hand any you walked up to me. Let's take uh, the next issue of the day. The next issue of the day is, uh, man, this is one I've gotten so many emails about and here's the best of my understanding what has happened there's a group of people with an eco village uh, about three acres i'll post a link to a google map shot where you can see with satellite image where they live and i went I, i didn't find this number anywhere in the uh in the, uh, the the news reporting or the reporting on either side from the, the people at the eco village or the Arlington PD. But you can see, like, this is their land. You can just kind of tell where it is. And I went to the Google Maps area tool and plot it out. So it's about a three-acre piece of land. This was important to me because the way it seemed like it was coming from mainstream was like these guys lived in, like, a suburb or something. I Until I actually found their address and looked them up, I had that that view, right? They're not actually in Mansfield, or, or I mean, Arlington. They're in a place called Cannondale. Now, I know the area very well because just where I lived for about 10 years, Arlington, Texas. So, I and I, The Mansfield-Kennondale area, I'm very familiar with. In fact, I lived in Arlington by city address, and my son went to Mansfield school districts. And if we had lived just a block north, he would have went to Arlington school district. So I'm very familiar with how these lines are weird and overlay, and how you can have a Kennondale address but fall under Arlington jurisdiction. So... It was important to me to know where these people are because that Kennandale area around Highway 287, um, is a very rural area. I mean, it's just out of the suburbs, but it ain't the suburbs. And, uh, so these guys are out there and they have tires and old pieces of pallets and wood and all kinds of crap. And the place in some areas looks gorgeous and other areas looks like a junkyard. Let's, you have to, we have to be completely honest about this. Uh, or we're going to lose credibility in fighting the system. So uh, don't think I'm defending any of the system here, but let's be honest. It. it looked like a junkyard. Now, from what I've heard from one of the residents of this thing, there were some bushes that were like going out on the trees. And when Arlington City first came in and started giving these people crap, um, that was one of the things they pointed out, along with like your wood's not stacked properly and shit. And their response was basically, hey, you have no right to tell us how to stack our wood, go pound sand. But since this actually does jut out into the public road, and we believe that we shouldn't have on other people, we'll, we'll prune those back. And they did. And there was this back and forth fight over code enforcement and code violations. And then this is where it gets gray as to how they were able to de- make a determination and get a warrant for this. But one way or another, an Arlington tactical team, and this is another thing that we should do. We should use the right words when we're describing what's going on. An Arlington tactical team from Arlington Police Department showed up and raided the compound. There's two very different uh, uh, stories of of what happened. And I tend to believe 99% of what the people that live there say and like 1% of what the police department says. Because I think the police department's full of shit. And I'll get into more why I think that's the case in just a second. Because fortunately, this is local to me, so I'm able to access certain sources that normally I can't with something like this. And request certain things, and then see if anything happens. So, the tactical team shows up. Not a massive SWAT team, an Arlington PD tactical team. Why is this important? Arlington doesn't officially have a SWAT team. Do they do the same thing? Yes. But if we're going to report it in news, not on survival podcasts, not even in bad Quakers world. But when you got news, actual news sites that market themselves as news, we should get the words correct. So the tactical team shows up, points guns at everybody, separates families for their children, handcuffs them, puts them on the floor, questions them, violates their rights and then cuts down blackberries and okra to test it to see if it's marijuana, because what they served was a warrant for drugs, for marijuana, for growing marijuana. And supposedly, now this is where I don't have any way to corroborate this as fact, but supposedly the reason they believe that is they, they were able, through aerial surveillance, the city just says that, I think, the... Landowners say they used a drone, an unmanned drone, and looked down and saw okra and said, that's marijuana, and went under affidavit and got a warrant. They served the warrant for dope, and there was no dope. These people are, let me put it in, let me just, look, again, being totally honest, a gal that was on the show who I won't mention, but kind of a hippie chick, said, I know these people. They're freaking weird. Okay? Why do I bring that up? Because you're allowed to be weird. You're allowed to be weird. I have no problem with you being weird. If you watch some of their videos on YouTube, yeah, they're weird. Even for me. And I'm weird. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You have a right to be weird. So the city shows up, grabs these plants, and says, we gotta check them. Like, you can't, if you can't tell ochre from pot, you shouldn't be a cop. I'm sorry. You really shouldn't. Um, and then, like, hauls off a bunch of their stuff. Which is like junk, but it's their property and takes it, and they use the opportunity created by the drug warrant to enforce the code violations that were being worked out in court because the city really had no leg to stand on because of where these people are located now here's where we de- it, 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 that is what's being reported with the one thing about calling attack team a SWAT team, and I don't really care because in the end it, they do the same thing they do the same type of training, but the pictures you see, of the guys in camo and shit that they're putting alongside this story? Those are stock photos. There's not a guy in Arlington PD that looks like that. Just, I mean, again, just in the interest of making things accurate, journalists should do a better job. But, total violation of rights. But, what are the people at the Eagle Village saying, and what is the Blaze.com saying, and all the alter- This is a war on sustainability. They don't want people to live free and and have their own things and be independent of the system. you know what this is? This is the same thing this always is. This is neighbors bitching because they don't like the way it looks. That's what's really going on here. Arlington is a very political city. A very political city. And you people in Arlington City government that let this happen should be ashamed of yourselves. You disgust me. And if the citizens of Arlington pull their heads out of their ass for more than five minutes and focus on something other than a PTA meeting or the next soccer game and realize what you did, there's enough common sense in Arlington. Every single one of you that touched anything like this is going to be tossed out like a booger-infested Kleenex in the next election. And the truth is, any of you that don't step up right now and do something, that's what needs to happen to you. You all need to go. Your heads need to roll. You don't need to be there. The chief of Arlington PD should be fired, and not for this. I I could get into a whole thing. This guy's a gang hugger, okay? I mean, he should have been gone long ago. But right now, chief, step up and do something, or you really need to go. The officer that ran this raid, I'm hoping someone puts a bug in your ear about listening to this today. I know for a fact that someone we both know told you I was looking for Arlington PD side of the story last week and told you you had an entire week to either get in touch with me or have somebody from your PR department get in touch with me. No such contact was made. No such contact was made. If you don't want to tell your side of the story, then I'll do it for you. okay? And if you want to change and you want to come tell your side of the story here and you think I'm just some redneck with a microphone that doesn't meet, reach a lot of people... I'm reaching 85,000 people that are pretty pissed off right now that aren't going to let this go lying down, that are going to support this family. One, I don't know how we're going to do it yet. I'm not calling for it today, but I know we will when we figure out what the best way to do it is. Okay, is. We'll support these folks, even though they're weird. Even though they're weirder than a lot of us want to be. Even though a lot of us would never want to live exactly the way they're doing. They have a right to live that way. But I'm going to tell you what I think is the real driving force here. If you pull up the Google satellite image of these people's farm, you'll see a really nice house that borders theirs. And it's probably a yuppie that moved to the country to live like a yuppie and can't stand looking at some garbage. And it's really not garbage. It's like pallets and an old couch and stuff like that. And bitched and bitched and bitched. And the city of Arlington caved. And then began to look at these people with some additional scrutiny, judge them because they're weird, and said, these guys gotta be on dope. And bet the farm, you bet the farm that when you went in there, you'd find dope, and they didn't find a speck. They found absolutely nothing. And they, I bet you knew what you were doing, but you were so sure Because you judged the way these people looked, the way they dressed, and the way they talked. That they had to be on dope. And you were sure that you'd go in and go, well, we were wrong about them growing dope. But look, we found a bag here and this there and paraphernalia there. And and you would have made a big case out of it. Look, these are drugs endangering the children. And you thought you could cover your ass. You thought you could cover your ass. And now you're caught with your pants down. This is supposed to be Texas, guys. Arlington City government, if there is anybody out there with a brain in Arlington City government, get on it now. Apologize to these people and fix this. You are now on the radar with the entire world. You'd think that there'd be enough common sense in a place like Arlington, Texas, that you'd look around before you did something like this. But I guess not. And this is the problem with too much government. Doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter who's in charge. In the end, governments start to feel this way. We've told you to do this, and you failed to comply. Don't care what the law is. Why haven't you done what we've said? We're in charge. Do what we say. And if you won't do it long enough, eventually they'll come out and force you to do it, even in violation of their own laws. That's what I feel happened here. I believe... That there are people that should face criminal and civil prosecution for their role in what was done to this family. And I hope this family pursues it. And I don't even think it's more of a family. It's more of a group. Okay? They might be anarchists. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, one of their residents who, um, he's going to be sitting there with no shirt on and Kind of looks like Jesus from a movie or something. Um, and you might think he's a weirdo. You might. But he's extremely well-spoken. He's extremely knowledgeable of his rights. He's extremely articulate. And there's a video of over an hour of him telling his story as to what happened. I'll put a link in today's show notes to that video. And uh, I encourage you to hear their side of the story. But I also encourage you guys to not buy into the hype that you hear every time this happens, that it's a war on gardens, it's a war on sustainability. No, it's people interfering with the way other people are living because they don't like the way it looks. It's almost always yuppie assholes, neighbors, that cause this problem. Can I say for a fact that's what happened here? No. But I can tell you this. Arlington, the city of Arlington, is overly politically motivated. And they do some dumb shit. None of them are, and you can look at the Cowboys Stadium and eminent domain on people's land and things like that. But none of them have time to worry about whether or not anybody has a garden. Arlington, the city of Arlington is not interested in stopping sustainability or preventing people from living free. Um, what they're interested in doing is keeping their taxpayers that they see as the ones that keep them in power happy. And when somebody bitches a lot that looks like a conformist about somebody that looks like a non-conformist, they go to bat for the conformist. And you should be ashamed of it, Arlington. You should be ashamed of it. Chief of police, you should be ashamed of your department and any role that you played in this. The people that swore, whoever swore the affidavit to obtain the warrant should face charges. It's clearly, at best, negligence. And, and 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 more likely with malintent, from what I can see. It's disgusting. And uh, somebody let me know when this group of people tells us how they can help, and then we'll bring the full brunt to bear on the city of Arlington, my old hometown, so that maybe they too can learn the lesson that other places have learned over time. Don't do this shit to people. These people were working with you to work this situation out through your own court system. And it wasn't fast enough for you. And I guess some yuppie somewhere bitched enough that was connected to the right person to make you behave stupidly. This was dumb. And I spent a week trying to find the truth. And I spent a week trying to get anybody, anybody from the city side to tell their story. And no one was interested. Basically, what I heard back from multiple sources was everything we have to say has been put out publicly, and we'll continue to do that. And basically, you're not worth talking to. Fine, fine. We'll see how that one plays out. I look forward to up- updating you, gentle uh, you, f- you, folks out there, on uh, on where this goes next. But uh, again, don't don't buy in to the bullshit. That this is like, they're coming to get your garden next. No. This is, this is society fighting change. And this is as much the fault of the average everyday citizen as it is the government employee. And let me say this about the officers that served the warrant. Most of them probably thought they were doing the right thing. Most of them probably thought they were going to a hot, hot location. Most of them were doing their duty as they understood it. Hopefully someone will get this to every officer that participated in this raid. You were lied to. You were bullshitted. The people in charge of you knew what they were doing when they did it. Think about that the next time they send you to do something like this. Because we, the citizens of your of your nation, and in my case, your state, and your county, still a citizen of your county, are depending on you to follow your oath. You didn't do it here. Start asking questions the next time you're told to go raid somebody who's growing okra. Let's take another one. I guess today is going to be somewhat of an anti-authority day, anti-oppression day. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, I try to keep these shows varied, but sometimes things just kind of stack up. So recently I've had a couple different people email me. And the question has been, Dude, why, why does the Liberty Movement seem so intent in tearing down local police officers? Because a lot of these guys are just doing their job and they're trying to help. And I mean, and here's the thing. We're not looking to tear down, tear down local police officers. Uh, I know a lot of law enforcement officers that I, I consider to be very good people and good friends. Um, I never fail when I see an officer on duty, uh, just to, you know, wave or say hi or tell him, Hey, thanks for what you do. Um, and I assume that the majority of the time that's well-placed. And I know that sometimes it's not, but I know that I'm better off doing it all the time and only you know, basically coming down on a law enforcement officer who's wrong than to have animosity toward a lot of guys that are just doing a job. And most of the people that are police officers went into that job because they believe that they can help people. That's the truth. Now, the problem we have is with a system. And a system that would allow what you're about to hear to happen. Not what you just heard. What you're about to hear. Um, this is ridiculous. I, I'm just going to play the, uh, the audio for you. There's a video here. I'll put a link in today's show notes. This comes from Chuck. And this is what he says. He says, not only are the police not obligated to protect the individual now, but if they get their ass kicked, they will sue you for calling them. Yeah. I'm not misstating that. Here you go. Here is the news report on this particular incident.
2: Five o'clock. It is something you would probably least expect after calling 911 during an emergency. A lawsuit. If a deputy was hurt, would you be financially responsible? A deputy is now suing a woman who called for help during an emergency. It all stems from a deputy-involved shooting that happened in Katy last year. Eyewitness News reporter Demond Fernandez got the sheriff's reaction today.
3: It's this lawsuit just filed in Harris County that's raising some eyebrows right now. Sheriff's Deputy Rady Pullen is suing a woman named Kamina Figueroa after a 911 call the deputy responded to at Figueroa's Katie home back in December. The lawsuit claims Pullen was violently and physically attacked by a man who'd allegedly been using bath salts as a drug for days. Look, it's unprecedented, and so we're allowing our legal staff to manage this case, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Sheriff Adrian Garcia wouldn't say much about Pullen's civil lawsuit, but called the filing by his deputy unprecedented. In the court documents, Pullen alleges Figueroa was negligent because she knew the man's mental state rendered him a danger to others. Pullen says he suffered a broken nose, concussion, lacerations, and bruises when the man in Figueroa's house attacked him. That man was ultimately shot and killed after investigators say he reached for Pullen's gun. The deputy's Austin-based attorney told me his team's operating under the theory if someone's injured due to a homeowner or renter's failure to warn of dangerous circumstances, then you have a right to sue. Well, the deputy should know if it's a 911 call, the deputy has to know it
2: is a dangerous situation.
3: KTRK legal analyst Joel Androfe calls Deputy Pullen's lawsuit
2: frivolous. It sends a bad message out there, and if, if this lawsuit succeeds... It basically shuts down 911 calls to some degree because people will be afraid if they make the call, they're going to get sued. And that's not, the sheriff should not condone this type of action. And so far, Mrs. Figueroa
3: has not responded to our request for comment about this lawsuit. Coming up on Eyewitness News at 6, I asked Sheriff Garcia if. Re-
1: okay, um, here's the deal. Uh, there's been several times in my life that, due to observing something, I've actually picked up the phone and called 911. And. And did this in three different times in three different situations with three totally different dispatchers in two totally different states and certainly uh, three totally different cities townships counties okay so what did I hear verbatim as soon as I was connected with a dispatcher on Nine one one, what's your emergency <laughs> Why is that little factoid important to this officer that's suing him because he didn't know he was going into a dangerous situation? If someone that is a homeowner calls you out to their home because they have a, a problem, and this guy was probably the problem, I, I I I I would love to get more information on this story, but I'm 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 pretty sure that the guy in question was the problem. Then is it not your duty and responsibility to assume that there's danger during a emergency. Listen, again, guys that are in law enforcement, I don't mean to tear you down, but this is when I, when I say clean your own shit up. Every other day something like this comes out. This is actually benign, okay, because this is a lawsuit and the courts will figure it out. And this is just one example of some typical bullshit to come out of government. Um, you know, and the, 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 the sheriff is, you know, they say the sheriff shouldn't allow this, really. I don't think that the you know I'm not saying that the sheriff is is not complicit in this I don't know if he is or not I really don't I can't judge that but I don't know that he really can do anything about this um, if you are a sheriff and one of your deputies files a lawsuit in court over an issue that happens on the job I don't think you can just go you know what we won't be doing that i I don't think that's within the power of the sheriff here but but seriously this guy needs to talk to at least uh maybe somebody should have explained to this guy that your job's dangerous when you put a badge on. That's why that's why people like me respect you because you're willing to do what's dangerous you know i mean i i I appreciate that but you don't you don't get to sue somebody that called you for freaking help. Are you kidding me let's see if we can find something totally different to go to next sadly though i'm i I'm not done with this uh example of abuse by law enforcement today i'm I'm on a roll because, well, frankly, apparently the law enforcement community's on a roll. I'm going to play for you a video, um, the audio of a video by a guy that does animal rights activist work and is opposed to rodeos. Now, I am not opposed to rodeos myself, but I support this gentleman's right to protest. And um, I'm going to let these officers speak for themselves here. Um, I'll put a link to this entire video. I'm just going to play part of it for you here, and I'm going to come back with some thoughts after uh, I do that.
0: Hi, folks. I'm Steve Hendy for Showing Animals Respect and Kindness. On May 19, 2013, I was illegally stopped by Malheur County Sheriff's Deputies in Oregon. We've already posted a video I shot of that stop, and it's sufficient to expose that the Malheur County Sheriff's Department has some bad cops. Now, however, using Oregon's public disclosure laws, we have obtained the police videos of the stop. It turns out the officers recorded
3: far more than they intended.
1: Um, you can watch the whole video. He's got some subtitles there for you so you can hear it. It gets a little bit hard to hear, so I'm going to tell you uh, exactly what was said. The the officer says he didn't want to stop that man, right, and that he that, that they were going to get sued. And the other officer responds with perhaps. And he says, it's all because of that rodeo board. You, you know that, right? And then, damn it, I was still recording. This is the officers recording themselves with their own vehicle uh, because they were so concerned about what they had done that apparently they forgot that they had the recording running, the dash camera recorder running. So they're on audio saying these things publicly. And if you listen to the whole video, which you can do, I'm not going to take up a lot of time on the show with the whole video because it's over five minutes long. Um, There's a part where they say this guy's the real deal. This is the guy from last year. They knew exactly who this guy was. Now, again, I mean, am I getting on board the Let's Shut Down Rodeo bandwagon? Uh, No. But, man, what happened was this guy went to the rodeo and filmed it. And he was asked to leave, and he did. And then he was pulled over for suspected trespassing. And in the, in the, the recordings, you'll hear the cops admit, too, that they knew he wasn't trespassing. The problem we have is he wasn't trespassing. Okay, again, guys, in law enforcement, clean up your own mess you got to think for yourselves. In this case, these two police officers knew what they were doing was wrong, but did what they were told anyway. You guys have to start pushing back. What's more important, your paycheck or your oath? You all have to ask yourself that question. You have to ask yourself that question. If you impinge another individual's liberty outside of what's been duly given to you by the laws of our nation, consistent with the oath you've taken, do you know what it is? It's not bad police work. It's kidnapping. If I did what you did here, I would go to to prison for felony kidnapping. Kidnapping's not just when I take somebody away. If I use force and a gun to impede you and tell you you can't leave, and I do so unlawfully, I've abducted you. This is felony behavior. Just because you get a pretty uniform and a pretty badge and a pretty gun and a pretty belt doesn't mean that these laws don't apply to you. You actually should be held to a higher standard. You know, one thing I learned with concealed carry, you get a permit, the expectation that you'll perform by the law is now higher because you have a better understanding of the law. Not that anybody's excused from it, but the expectation's higher. Police officers go through like a year of academy training. You're supposed to know the law that you're enforcing. You're supposed to follow your oath. This is clear what happened. These guys knew better. And they're scared, and they should be. This kind of thing's going on all over the place, man. It's got to come to an end. And you know what's going to make it come to an end? Every citizen should have a video camera. Every citizen should have a video camera. And every time this crap goes on, you should video. You know, and you're risking arrest. And you have to decide when they tell you to turn off the camera, do you turn off the camera? And in some places, you better, if you don't want your day ruined. I mean, at least your day. It may be your life. But we all have to decide how far we're going to stand. But you know what? Let me tell you what stops the nonsense with the false arrest, and you arrest somebody and charge them with resisting arrest, but there's no other charges, any officer, let me tell you something, any officer out there, if you've ever pursued resisting arrest charges on a person whom you have no other charges on, you are an oath-breaker. You're an oath-breaker. Because you're full of shit and you know it. How do you charge somebody with resisting arrest when there's no charge for arrest? You're breaking your oath. Breaking your damn oath. You're in violation of the public trust. Why? So you can get your pension? What's more important, your paycheck or your oath? I've got to go to something different. I've got to go to something different. But those of you that think this isn't a problem, you're not paying attention. You think that this is the exception rather than the rule? doesn't matter doesn't matter. There's so many people that have authority over you today. Law enforcement, uh, I, I've been told, is the smallest fraternity on planet Earth. You guys that say that, you need to check some, some facts. You need to check some facts. Maybe that was true when Andy uh, Griffith was playing the sheriff of Mayberry. Sheriff Andy, right? Maybe that was true back then. It's not now. Do you know how many of you people there are in law enforcement? Do you know how many people have a badge and authority now over people? Do you know how many people there? It's gotta be in the millions. It's gotta be over a million Americans employed in the capacity of law enforcement. What's 10% of a million? That's a hundred thousand. And if it's only 10% of a million, that's way too many, isn't it? You guys in law enforcement need to start policing your own and clean your mess up. As for filming the police, let me tell you how you do this in a way that protects you. You need groups. You need groups. When some kind of shit like this goes down, one text message goes off, and the next thing, there's 50 people filming what's going on. Because they'll bully one. When there's 50 cameras on them, there's not shit they can do and they know it. And that's what needs to happen. And we've seen abuse after abuse, like the, the cops that shot the guy's dog that was videotaping them from four blocks away. They walked down, they interfered with this guy when his dog got out of the car, they killed his dog. Oathbreakers. Well, let me tell you what the solution to oath breakers is oath keepers. Those of you in law enforcement and our military. If your oath means anything to you. If your oath means anything to you, be on the lookout for this and be the first person to speak up. Be the first person to act. Be the first person to say no. Be the first person to say, we're not doing this today. What the two officers who pulled this gentleman over should have done when they were told to pull this gentleman over was radio back and say, you know what, you can get somebody else to do this. We're not doing it. By the way, we know it's wrong, and if you do, we're going to say something. I'm going to say it one more time, and I'm going to go on to a different subject today. And I'm sorry I've had to devote over half of a show to what's going on out there in the law enforcement world that's wrong. But to law enforcement officers, is your pension or your oath more important to you? And if the answer is your pension, there's a lot of ways to earn a pension. There's a lot of ways to earn a pension today where you don't have to interfere with somebody else's liberty. Let's go on to something completely different before I snap a gasket. You know, we have an expert council that we get questions for, but I, I can actually consider uh the entire community a, a part of the expert council. And what I mean by that is occasionally I get questions I just don't need the an answer to. And I know when I put them out on the air, we always get an answer. So I've got one of those today. And um I'm I'm hoping somebody out there that actually I, I don't want your opinion of way way it should be on this. I need to know um and is it a big thing, state-level stuff as well? Does that, And I, I bet it does. But I have a question from Col- Cody, and Cody says, is it a bad idea to sell tinctures on my site? I've been making tinctures lately and wanted to sell them on my site. What are your thoughts? Have a great day, Cody. I, I think the answer is probably, yeah, that you're getting into the herbal supplement world without licensing, and it's probably a terrible idea. Um, what would it take to make it legal? What do you have to do to comply with the powers that be with this? Who knows? I mean, is there anybody out there that makes herbal tinctures and herbal preparations and salves for a living and sells them? And what do you have to do to comply? Um, I don't have a lot on this because I don't really know the answer to that one, but I'd I'd like to know what the answer to that is. So please uh, let me hear back in the comments. Guys, please do me a favor. When I put something out like this on the air, you can use a fake handle or whatever to comment on the blog. Don't send this in an email. Comment on the blog. I'm crowdsourcing information here. If you comment on the blog, other people see it and they expand on it. We get a lot better of a picture than if you just send me an email. So please, if you can, and if you know something about this subject, especially factual hands-on stuff, episode 1189, go there, uh, click on comment, and, and, and leave us a comment about this. What what would Cody have to do to sell tinctures and not end up sued or in federal frickin' prison for sending selling extract from a dandelion root? I, I'd really like to know that one, and let's move on to another one. All right, so the the next one I have is an article that, that foretells doom and gloom in our financial future, which I think is being exaggerated, but um, the larger message here is something that nobody talks about. Here's what it says. This is from Robert. Robert says short article on Walmart, Walmart's financial quarterly report to stockholders. The more salient point is year on year sales at existing stores are down by 0.3%. Let me, let me say that again. 0.3 existing stores. Their sales are down three tenths of one percent. Revenue also did not make analysts forecasts, but that merely means that analysts can be wrong. The fact is that Walmart sales dropped. We'll back up one more time, 0.3%, three-tenths of 1%. That is the mainstream, that's mainstream America. I also checked on the reference on Macy's results in the article and added a second link to the results which indicated Macy's disappointed the market with their report yesterday when year-on-year sales in existing stores dropped 1%. That shows upper-middle classes lowering spending. Target stores, which is the most of the soccer mom business, puts out their report next week. If it falls to decline, that will show an extremely broad-spectrum pullback in the economy. Okay. Look, the, the, uh, the gross domestic product number is up, so we're officially not in a recession. Okay. But I've talked to you earlier this year about how they've, They've changed what that number is. Like now they're including things in GDP that are promises to pay in the future, like pension funds, right? So it's like whether they can pay or not doesn't matter. We're going to put it down as part of the GDP this year and other things that have been done to fudge the GDP. And the story here and what the economists are on, the alternative economists are on, rightly so, is, hey, look, they can say the GDP's up. But since these companies are publicly reporting entities – and we have to actually have their sales and their inventory records and their shareholder reports. We can see that spending is down. Therefore, real GDP is down. Therefore, the country is in decline. Okay, that's not the story. That's not the story. One more time, that's not the story here. You know what the story here is? That we live in a society where a revenue decline of one percent or less is, a, is is a catastrophe. We have an economic system, a geopolitical economic system, where a decline in revenue by three-tenths of a percent is a disaster. People lose jobs, people get laid off, consumer confidence is in the tank. Oh, my God, the world is going to add, scream, yell, holler, gnash teeth, Ah! three-tenths of a percent. No! Okay. Don't you think that tells you something? Is anybody out there actually figured out what that tells you? The system's bullshit! How do we have an economic system where a decline of three-tenths of a percent from one year to the next is anything other than blah, big deal. One of the largest companies in the world, makes billions of dollars in profit, makes a few million less, oh my God, the world's ended. Let me ask you a question. If you had a business, you were a business person and you were running your own entrepreneurial business and you were making, oh, I don't know, uh, a half a million dollars a year was your, what you were able to take out of your business and take home and, uh, and go on about your life and, and, and live your life as you saw fit. Half a million bucks, you can live pretty damn good on a half a million bucks. So you're rocking along making your half a million dollars a year in income. Now, If you're Walmart and you're telling the story for the whole economy with that half a million dollars a year and your your income of a half a million dollars a year declines by a third of a percent next year, you would make $1,666 less. So that means you would still have uh, $497,000 or something like that, $98,000, whatever it is. If you had the Macy's turn down or the catastrophic turndown that the U.S. economy might have, if we go down by 1%, um, you would have 495000 in income versus $500,000 in income. These are pretty easy numbers to work out. Why do I bring this up? Would it change the temperature of the water in your pool? If you went from making $500,000 a year to making $495,000 a year, would you set your thermostat differently? Would it change significantly where you shopped? How many times you went out to eat? Where you went on vacation? No, it wouldn't. It would would be meaningless. And even people that think, oh, if I lost 1%, man, I would just, oh, I'd be out. I mean, i barely get by now. You know what? I can take 1% out of the income of any American right now, and you'd adapt to it so fast you wouldn't even know it happened. But our economy... Goes into a tailspin. If you were an investor in a business and that business had done good for years and years and years and had lots of great stuff ahead of it and lots of innovation going on and they and they declined by one percent. If you weren't reading into this bullshit like this about the global economy, now would you really be concerned as an investor that your your company you invested in was not lost any money? It didn't lose money. It just made one percent less. And last year it made a truckload of money. Do you think it's possible that maybe you had like something in the prior year's spending that kind of pushed it over? This is how you screw salespeople, by the way. You set their quota versus on last year's sales and and and, you know maybe they got one or two big hits that that, you know you're not guaranteed that's coming back again, but you you write it into their quota. Maybe that's why I see this for what it is. Our system is screwed. And why is our system screwed? What this means is we live in a growth-at-all-cost system. That anything other than growth is a catastrophe. Because let me tell you what a catastrophe is in the U.S. economy today. It's not a catastrophe just if we go down by 1%. The whole world starts to fall apart if we stay at a net zero-sum gain. If the nation's GDP goes up by zero and down by zero year to year, if it's the same number... If the total economic output doesn't grow but doesn't decline, it's a catastrophe. How the hell do we get into this type of a situation? Many of you know, I know, but for those of you that don't, I'm asking you, how the hell do we get into a situation like this? Let me put it to you a different way. If I was going to hire you to run my business and say, here it is, it's an established, well-oiled machine, I'm going to pay you a salary and everything like that, by the way, If you don't make at least 3% more next year than I made this year, then you're a complete failure as a CEO. And you're fired and you have to give your salary back. Would you want that job? Or do you think I'm out of my flipping mind? And wouldn't you say that the bigger the company is and the larger the output of the company is, the more ridiculous that statement is? Because if it's a $50,000 a year company in growth mode, you should be able to figure it out. This is a very mature economy. Our nation's been using the same basic monetary system, fractional reserve, debt-backed currency, since 1913, and really in the current form since 71. That's a very mature system. It should just be growing 8 nine, ten 9 10% every year, like everybody seems to think. And every time it grows, what happens to the value of the existing money? It's a trap. In the words of the squid-faced dude from Star Wars, it's a trap. It's designed as a trap. And the reason I point this out is because if you don't understand that it's a trap, you're going to buy into all the bullshit about how it can be repaired. And the danger of that is you'll start to think that it can happen. And then you won't be prepared for what's really going to happen. It will shift. And again, I'm not the guy that tells you they're going to shift it on this day. They're going to do it this way. It's going to screw you this way, this way, and this way. And by doing these three things here, you'll be a multimillionaire because I would be lying to you. I don't know how it will play out. All I know is that mathematically it has to play out because there's no alternative. And if you have a system that requires growth at all costs, what happens the first year that our population goes down by 2 or 3%? Is it more and more and more Americans decide to have less children? Is we continue to screw things up to the point where even immigrants are like, I think I'll go somewhere else. What happens if you get a 1% to 2% decline in the population of this country with an economic system that requires growth at all costs? Well, you know the first thing that happens the government starts lying about the numbers. They're doing that right now. I still don't think the official government debt number has gone up since like July 5th. We don't owe more. We don't owe less. The debt's just frozen for 45 days, 50 days, whatever it is. Really? Do you believe that? And when they start lying about the number, not just telling you it's okay, but they start to lie about it. And not just the indicators, but the actual number. What's the public debt? Oh, it's frozen. (laughs) It didn't go anywhere. You guys are buying 40 billion million worth of treasuries a month with our own fake money. Where is it? It's fine. Don't worry about it. There's nothing to see here. You live in a society where a three-tenth of one percent decline is a disaster. You live in a society that expects growth every year, every time, where it's a disaster. So you can virtually be assured that sooner or later you'll have a catastrophic financial disaster because you have a system that mandates it. This system mandates catastrophic financial collapse because sooner or later there has to be a point where it's not we didn't grow by enough points and it's not that we're down by, you know, two-tenths of a point or it looks like it did in 2008, 2009 or there's a couple points off here. It's going to be something like, you know, we're 30% below where we were the year before. If you didn't just go gulp, you don't get it. Sooner or later there will be a financial endgame. Please be prepared for it. It is coming. I can't tell you exactly when and where and what it will look like, but I can tell you it's going to happen. Let's go on off on a totally different thing. Um, This is Edward from Illinois writes this. I'm a teenage survivalist prepper, and I want to know what I should do. My school is giving us laptops, but the contract is that if it gets stolen or broken, we have to pay for it, even if it's in my locker locked up when it gets stolen from my locker. But if I don't take the contract, I can't get the laptop. If I can't have the laptop, it will hurt my grades badly. Plus, they will spy on what you are doing on the laptop. What should I do? Thanks for your help. Bye. Edward, I'm going to tell you, you asked a very salient adult question, and I'm going to speak to you like an adult. I'm not going to speak to you like a teenage prepper. I don't care that you're a teenage prepper. If you can ask that question, you should be ready to hear the answer. Parts of this answer you're going to like. Parts of this answer you're not going to like. Well, let's start out with getting the question accurate first. First thing is, my school is giving us laptops. I'm not picking on you here, but if you really want to examine this question, the first thing you have to do is be accurate. Your school is not giving you a laptop. In essence, your school is saying they are loaning you a laptop, because I don't get that you you do not get to keep it. You probably have to turn it back in. Or maybe after a certain amount of time, they go ahead and sell them out to whatever. But the school isn't giving you a laptop. If I give you something, here, do what you will with it. Okay? If I say, if you lose it, you have to pay for it. As an expectation, the property is still mine. So we're loaning it to you even if they were giving it to you. Your school's not loaning you a laptop, and they're not giving you a laptop. The taxpayers of this great nation, who have had their money taken out of their wealth by force of government, are giving you or loaning you a laptop. My money, or since it's a school, more likely somebody like me that lives down the road from you, and your parents as well, are being told you must pay a tax on the property that you own, the house that you live in, and if you're renting, it's being put into your rent because the the, the guy renting you the house is not paying the tax. You are. So property owners, mostly for the school system, are paying taxes that are then being used to provide you with a laptop. In other words, it's not your laptop. It's not the school's laptop. It's the public's laptop. It belongs to the people that paid for it. Okay, it's being allocated to you. You know, some people think, man, this guy's protecting the state right here. I'm not. I'm just. This is the truth. This is this is what happened. Somebody in your government that has the power to take money from people decided to allocate this money for this program. It's not their money. It's not the school's money. Okay. It's the taxpayers' money. It's under their stewardship to provide you an education. We can debate hell and high water about whether that should be going on in the first place or not. The fact of the matter is, it is. So that's the first thing you have to realize. The laptop you would receive is not yours. It is not the school's. It belongs to the public whose wealth was seized to pay for it. This means you don't get to decide what happens with it. Okay? If it's stolen from you, you have to pay for it. Good. Good. Even if it's stolen from my locker locked up, yes. Yes. Absolutely. If you bought your own laptop and it was stolen from your locker and you were unable to successfully locate the party who stole it from you, who would have to replace it then? You would. I want you to think about this the other way around, Edward. If, if you loaned me something that had value and you said I could use it for a year and then I was expected to give it back to you, and at the end of that year, I said, well, it's gone now. Somebody stole it from me, and you said, well, I you if you can't provide me another one, then you have to pay for it. And I said, but it was stolen from my locker, and I locked it up, so I don't owe you anything. How would you feel? So that, I don't have a problem with. Next part. They will spy on what I'm doing on my laptop. I won't say good, but I will say tough. Here's why. That laptop is not for you to play Halo. It's not for you to have IM messages with your friends. It's not for you to publicly speak out against the evils of corporate America, even though I think that's fine. That's not what it's for. It's for your work. And if you're getting it with my money or other taxpayers' money so you can do your work on our computer, then that's the way it should be. Now, Do I think that maybe there's some nefarious people in our government that say, this is a great idea. We'll give all these kids laptops. They'll think it's free. They'll think there is a free lunch, even though there all is no free lunch. And we'll be able to use it to spy on their activities and their parents' activities and everything. Like, oh, yeah, those people are there. Those people are absolutely there. And it's despicable and it's disgraceful. And I have a great solution to this problem. You don't get no laptop. You don't get a laptop because you go to school. We don't buy laptops for our students. And a story solution found done. You don't get one. I mean, that's there's your solution right there. Well, it'll hurt my grades badly. Why? You don't have a computer at home. Well, I have one, but it's a desktop. Well, it it stays home. It's just fine. Well, I need one for school. Then take it and use it for school, and don't use it for anything else. See, that's how this is. What's called an adult decision. What's going on here is you have you have two things in conflict here. You have the child conflict. It's not fair that they'll make me pay for it if something happens to it while I'm caring for it. That's a childhood conflict. That'll get fixed with maturity and growing up. It's not fair that they'll look at what I'm doing with the laptop they gave me. That's a child's conflict. That's you're still being a teenager. Of course they will. If you came work for me. Right, and you're on my clock, and I'm paying you a salary to sit in my desk that I provided for you under my roof that I pay rent for, to do a job for me from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm looking at your performance and things aren't getting done. Don't think I would have my IT guy go in and say, this guy on Facebook for four hours a day, when are supposed to be working? Really? Okay, he's fired. Welcome to the real world. It's my computer. It's my office. You're there to work for me. When you're in school... Again, I don't like the public education system, but if we're gonna, if it's gonna be here, that's the way it works. You go to school, you're there to learn. That's your job. Do your work. Turn in your work. Now, if you wanna go get unschooled or homeschooled, more power to you, I support you. But if you're gonna be in that system, that's the rules of the system. And, there's a lot of places that that system can be improved. But giving a kid a laptop and saying, well, if it gets stolen out of your locker, don't worry about it. And by the way, you can go on there and surf porn or whatever, and we won't look at it. That's not that's not going to fix anything. So what's your solutions? What's the other conflict? There's an adult conflict, and you're aware enough of rights to privacy and things like that. There's a part of you that says, this isn't right. But hopefully now you're aware of the fact that Somebody else paid for that laptop. And that's part of what's not right, too, that it's even there in the first place. But, dude, you not taking that machine and getting poor grades because of it isn't going to fix the system. It's not. So I have no problem with you using it for your work if that's what you feel you need to do. What is your actual solution, though? Well, I'm going to bet, just going to bet here. That if you got off your butt and said, you know what, for the next 10 weeks, I'm going to find three lawns a week to mow for at least $10 a piece, that you'd end up with $300. And I know for a fact you can buy a decent laptop for $300. And that might be tough, and it might be hard, and you might have to work for it, but it would be your laptop that you earned with your money. And then you could do whatever the hell you wanted to with it, at least off school grounds. Whether or not they let you use it in class, I don't know. I don't know. But if you want a laptop to do with as you please, then you have to buy it with your effort. Because what they're doing, again, they're not giving you a laptop they're allocating one for your use for the term of the year to perform certain functions on as a student, and they're requiring accountability in return for doing that. Now, like I said, I just don't think we should be providing children in our schools with laptops at taxpayer expense. But there's a lot of things I don't think we should be doing with taxpayer expense in the public school system. I'd have the whole thing gutted down to half the size it is in, a, uh, in one year. One year! Department of Education and the public institutions of education throughout this country would be 50% of their size. With bloated bureaucracy would be gone and down to the fundamental task of educating our children, reading, writing, arithmetic, based on the trivium, grammar, rhetoric, and logic, right? And that's what it would be. And as far as do computers play a role, or you bet they do. You know what? We can have great computer labs and still spend half of what we spend. And kids, do you want computers at home? It's called work, They're cheap, they're affordable, anybody can earn enough money to get their hands on one, and there's plenty of government programs out there that are doing that anyway, so we can just take that off the table. But as long as it's there, then understand the way this system works. Someone else paid for it so that you can have it under certain conditions, and you're not required to take it. It's not unfair. And if it is unfair to anybody, it's unfair to the taxpayer that had to pay for it so you could have it. It's not unfair to you. But what if they spy on what I'm doing? (laughs) use it for its intended purposes only and if you want to do something outside of its intended purposes provide it for yourself this has been an example on how not to treat a child like a teacup by Jack Spirica let's take another call and by the way Edward I respect the hell out of you man I think you're going to be a fine outstanding young man I'm not being tough on you because I don't like you I'm being tough on you because I do let's take another call or another uh, piece of feedback the next one ties in nicely to the last one because it has to do with requiring more of our young people in society. Not really requiring. I don't really require anything of anyone. There's a difference between expectation and requirement. And requirement means you're going to do this because I said it's the right thing to do. Expectation is it would be I expect that you'll do something great. I expect that you'll make an impact on society. I expect that you'll act. Not the way I choose for you to act. A requirement means I've set, you need to do X, Y, and Z. An expectation is, you need to do something. You need to do something with your life while you have it. This was on a a, a little blog called Kotke. I I don't even know what this is. It doesn't have a header on it or anything. Uh, It's K-O-T-T-K-E dot org. And, and that's it, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So, uh, I'm gonna read it to you. The surprising ages of the founding fathers on July 4th, 1776. This is when the, um, when the, the, uh, the Declaration of Independence was signed, for those that don't remember our history. For the Journal of the American Revolution, Ton Aykroyd compiled a list of the ages of the key participants in the Re- Revolutionary War as of July 4th, 1776. Many of them were surprisingly young. The Marquis de Lafayette was 18. James Monroe was 18. Gilbert Stewart was 20. Alan Burr, Aaron Burr was 20. Alexander Hamilton was 21. Betsy Ross, 24. And James Madison was 25. He goes on to say, this is kind of blowing my mind because of the comparison of hit, compression of history. I'd always assumed all these people were around the same age. But in thinking about it, all the startups need young people. Hamilton, Lafayette, and Burr were perhaps the Gates, Jobs, and Zuckerbergs of the war. Some more ages just for reference. Thomas Jefferson was 33 years old when he had just penned one of the greatest documents in history. John Adams, his good friend, and then enemy, and then good friend again in old age was 40. Paul Revere, 41. George Washington, 44. Samuel Adams was 53. The oldest prominent participant in the Revolution by a wide margin was Benjamin Franklin, who was 70 years old on July 4, 1776. Franklin was two gener- full two generations removed from the likes of Madison and Hamilton. But the oldest participant in the war was Samuel Whitmore, who fought in an early skirmish at the age of 80. I'll let Wikipedia take it from here. Whitmore was in his fields when he spotted an approaching British relief brigade under Earl Percy and sent to assist the retreat. Whitmore loaded his musket and ambushed the British from behind a nearby stone wall, killing one soldier. He then drew his dueling pistols and killed a grenadier and mortally wounded a second. By the time Whitmore had fired his third shot, a British detachment reached his position. Whitmore drew his sword and attacked. He was shot in the face, bayoneted 13 times, and left for dead in a pool of his own blood. He was found alive, trying to load his musket to fight again. He was taken to Dr. Cotton Tufts of Medford, who perceived no hope for his survival. However, Whitmore lived another 18 years, until dying of natural causes at the age of 98. Pretty cool, huh? So, in the founding of our nation, we had people that played critical roles that were only 18 years old in a multi generational coalition that spanned a range of the actual founders from 18 to 70, but in those that fought out to 80 years of age. There's two sides to this, aren't there? That we can see the flaw and error of our ways today. What do we think of an 18-year-old today? What? Not requirements. but expectation do we have of an 18-year-old today? They would lead an army? Into a foreign land? To assist with the liberation of a new nation being born? Like the Marquis de Lafayette? They would be laying the foundation to be president... Were key cabinet members of the United States like James Monroe, Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton, and James Madison? Man, there's there's some names there I don't even really like very much with some of the things they came up with, but at least they did something. What expectations do we have of a 33-year-old man today? That he would be capable of penning one of the most immortal documents in the Declaration of Liberty? In the history of mankind, or that he could reach the next level on Halo or Call of Duty. We don't, it's not requirements that are missing for our young people. Folks, it's expectations. People are great when greatness is expected of them. But what's the other side? What do we expect of the average 80 year old today? That they're on Medicare or Medicaid and well-looked after and done? They're done? Isn't that what we think of as an 80-year-old? An 80-year-old today is done. They've done their thing. They should just be taken care of until it's over. You know? Let them let them die with dignity. That's the, the term people use, as sick as it is. Really? This guy was 80 years... Let me read this again. This man was 80 years old. In the, in the late 1700s, when everybody supposedly died when they were 35 years old, right, or at childbirth, okay, Whitmore was in his fields when he spotted an approaching British Relief Brigade under Earl Piercy. Sent to assist the retreat, Whitmore loaded his musket, ambushed the British from behind a nearby stone wall, killing one soldier. He then drew his dueling pistols and killed a grenadier and mortally wounded a second. By the time Whitmore had fired his third shot, a British detachment reached his position. Whitmore drew his sword and attacked. He was shot in the face and bayoneted 13 times and left for dead in a pool of blood. Found alive, trying to load his musket to fight again. Taken to Dr. Cotton Tufts of Medford. Perceived no hope for his survival. However, Whitmore lived another 18 years until dying of natural causes at the age of 98. What's your expectation of those around you? What's your expectation of your fellow citizens? What is your expectation of yourself? Are you being a worthy inheritor of what was done by these men in these times? Don't worry about the system, the crooked cops we talked about today. I'm going to finish up today with a story of a crooked cop that got what he had coming to him, and it's not violence for those of you like, oh, no, 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 no. It's just, just justice from the justice system. Believe it or not, it's kind of crazy, but it's like, oh, there shit like. Expectation. What's your expectation of yourself? A twenty-four-ish year old kid on the blog recently said, "I'm not doing any of this crap in regards to the, you know, when I just had Joe Riles on. I'm dropping out. I'm going Galt. I'd rather play Halo than do any of this crap. Oh, you're not going to tell me how to live my life. You're not going Galt, punk. The people in Galt's Gulch worked hard. Yeah, they opted out, but they created something new." Are you just going to sit around and point to how everything is wrong and bad and say how it should be? Or are you going to get with making it happen? There's a lot of people good about talking about it. Can you do it? What's your expectation of yourself, friends? I'm not judging you. I'm asking you to do the hardest thing anybody can do. Judge yourself. Do you expect great things from yourself or are you content with apathy and content with bitching about the way things are and the way things should be instead of creating a new reality, defining a new reality. It's up to you. Let's cover that last one I promised you. On a cop getting a lesson in justice from, of all things, a war veteran and the justice system. For the first time tonight, we're hearing from a Bellingham man who just won a $15,000 settlement from the city. Yes, John Legay said a police officer tried to violate his right to openly carry a handgun in a park. Kai Residents Chris Legueros has just confirmed that changes have already been made in the police department as a result of this. Chris.
2: According to John LeGay and his attorney, the Bellingham Police Department is now required to train all of its police officers and 911 dispatchers on open carry laws so that they can avoid similar civil rights violations in the future. Retired Army Master Sergeant John LeGay always carries a handgun on his hip even when he's out walking his dogs. It's my job. It's what I do. I protect myself and my family. He's a decorated Vietnam vet who strongly believes in his constitutional right to bear arms. So he bristled when a Bellingham police officer stopped him in Bloedel Donovan Park in 2011 and told him that carrying a gun was illegal. I was not breaking the law. I was well within the law, and he had no right to do that. I don't like being bullied. The officer, Alan Bass, asked for LeGay's ID. He refused, offering him a copy of the law in instead. That's when Legay said the cop drew his weapon. A times he had it right in my chest. And that was 6-7 uh, inches from muzzle Legay said he never touched his own gun, just continued to clutch the dog leashes in his hands. He demanded that Officer Bass put his weapon away which he finally did after two men in the park approached and told the officer that openly carrying a gun in Washington was legal. As part of a civil settlement with the city, LeGay's lawyer says all police officers and 911 dispatchers will be trained on open carry laws. I think the takeaway for anybody is the Second Amendment is important. That's the thing, that's the bulwark against tyranny. That's what makes all the other amendments possible. Now, I called the Bellingham Police Department asking for an interview on what kind of training officers will receive and also whether the officer involved in this incident, Alan Bass, was disciplined or retrained after this incident. A spokesman for the department called back and said there won't be an interview, but he relayed these words from the chief. The lawsuit was settled and we've done the training and it will be on an ongoing basis. Now there are some places where you can't openly carry a weapon in Washington State. Some you would expect, and some are, you might find surprising. Find the list with our
1: expanded coverage at CairoTV.com. dot com. Well, hoorah. huh? Stand up, be proven right. Justice system works on occasion. That's great. And here's what I have to say to you, the 911 dispatchers: You're going to be trained, and officers are going to be. You know what? D- don't tell me this was really the problem that people just weren't trained on the law. This was a guy that felt, well, the law doesn't apply here because he's in a park. That's probably what happened. Whatever it is, they got their ass sued. They should have got their ass sued. Now they have an agreement that they have to do what they should have done in the first place. And listen to what happened. Two other people in the park came up to this officer while he had a gun pointed at the chest of this old man who was just walking his dogs and following the law, 100% following the law. and said, hey, 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 hey. What he's doing is legal. Kudos to those two people. But it should not be upon the citizen's shoulder to inform a law enforcement officer of how to do his friggin' job. Thank God they were there. He might have shot this guy. And that's where I want you to use some caution. It's great to stand up for your rights. It really is. But when somebody points a gun at you and demands your ID, give them your ID. It's wrong for them to have it. But man, I'm telling you, there's... uh, Take that up with the court system like happened here. you got to be careful. Some of these people are wingnuts. You know? And then I think of that story of that old man going down in a field and being bayoneted in the revolutionary war and hanging out for another 18 years. And I wonder if the advice I just gave you is wrong. And the truth is, I don't know. I'll never know if the advice I've given you is the best advice that could be given I just know that I care about all of you. And it's the best advice I can give you with what I know up to this point. And with that, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life when times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget.